Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. Doug, great to see you. You too, buddy. How you doing over there? I'm doing well. Again, I just miss having you next to me. This I pandemic know. has really made made me miss you uh, having you in the same room. Yeah, me too. I, I miss your office, but I kind of don't miss your office in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> My office in the summer could be, get a little hot up here. Yeah. So, But uh, man, we had a great conversation with Rob Chifokoyo last week. Oh, so good. So grateful to listen to young leaders, the next generation of leaders, the current generation of leaders. They're just younger. Um, and we're excited about this conversation. We're going to have on a friend of ours, a, another young leader. And uh, we've had a chance to build into him and to mentor him. Um, um, and befriend him. And now he's getting a chance in ministry to mentor and befriend others. So we're super excited. We feel like this is so important. We want to continue to challenge leaders, be looking for younger leaders, either leaders that you've identified, others have identified, or maybe no one else has ever looked at them and said, you are a leader. I still remember Randy Drawn. Randy was my youth pastor. When I was in middle school, he looked at me and he said, JR, you are a leader. And I can still remember that it was the first time someone had ever identified that in me. It just, it just was so much emotion running through my body. I can still almost viscerally feel mm. it right now. Um, no one had ever said that. It just jolted me. It gave me confidence I didn't know I was needing. And I've never forgotten that. From that moment on, I thought, I'm a leader. How do I lead well? And I'm so grateful for Randy Drawn identifying that in me and, and others. So who are the leaders that you can be looking to? And I hope in this conversation with our guest, you are able to have that opportunity to brainstorm and to think, and maybe the spirit drops names of people, uh, young and old, uh, but especially young, that you can be building into in this next season. So enjoy this conversation. Our guest today is Johnny Radcliffe. He is the student ministry director at Storehouse Church uh, and also the Philly area coordinator at National Network of Youth Ministries. Uh, he and his wife live near Philly and they have three little monsters that they get to rear together. Uh, he has been in ministry for 10 plus years and he has spent a lot of that time in Indiana and Pennsylvania. He is a graduate of Liberty University and Grace Theological Seminary. We hope you enjoy our conversation with Johnny Radcliffe. Uh, Johnny, we've got Johnny. We've known you for quite a few years now, so this is like uh, it feels in some ways like a reunion. The three of us <laughs> together again. Here we are. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it, it kind of feels more natural than probably most podcast interviews do. Like I feel like we're just hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which is exactly what we want. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Connie, tell us a bit of your story. Um, you know, you're you're in youth ministry right now, and how did you get to where you are? Yeah. So I've been in ministry for about 12 years now or so, and most of that was in student ministry. And I am currently a youth pastor in the Plymouth Meeting area uh, near Philadelphia. And I am also the National Network of Youth Ministry Director for the Philadelphia region. And so all of that is fancy lingo to say that uh, I take time to invest in leaders to make sure they're not ministering alone because mm -hmm. youth ministry can get really lonely, just like any other ministry position. Uh, but there are a unique set of challenges, shall we say, 
with student ministry. Uh, so that's what I've been doing for my time. Uh, and I love it. I love being in the student world and uh, working with that. Also love hanging out with youth pastors. Mm. So Johnny, I'm sure you're, uh, you know, with, with your dual role, you know, kind of micro and macro, what are you hearing from leaders right now in, in, in the season in which we're in? Oof. So right now during the pandemic, um, morale is really low and, um, just talking to a bunch of leaders right now, there is a sense where, uh, you know, the beginning of this is so funny. Oh my word. So in the beginning of this, everyone's going online, right? And everyone's like, what is this Zoom about? And now we're all Zoom <laughs> masters. And, uh, I remember on one of the Facebook groups, there was this really like chipper, overly positive post by a pastor. I don't know who it was. It was one of the big groups. And they were just like, I'm so excited to see how God uses this online ministry stuff. This is the wave of the future. And I'm just shaking my head like, no, it's not. It's not because there's no way you're going to replace face to face. And it was really cool at first. So like I can just speak from my experience, but this was very similar across the board. The first couple of weeks after everyone went into lockdown back in March, everyone was on and it was awesome. And I was like, okay, I'm seeing some faces I haven't seen in a while. Their schedules are freer. uh, And this is good. But since that moment, Each week, it just went tick, 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 tick. More kids were dropping off. And I had this theory where like, okay, well, they're doing Zoom for classes and stuff. But as soon as school's over, they'll be back. They haven't come back. Why? Because Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And I don't blame anyone. Like if anyone's like, hey, I cannot get on another video call. Like I do not blame you. So there's this real tension where a lot of youth pastors are kind of feeling like failures right now because they feel like they can't hold the line or honestly, like, and I'll speak for myself. I just miss my kids. Like I want to be around my teens and there's some where I haven't had a real conversation with them since, or they're not returning my texts or, you know, the group chats. Oh, don't get me started about group chats. Like I have group messaging things just to make everything easy. No one responds because teens are afraid to respond in group messages where, you know, they might seem overly eager or, you know, they don't know every person on there. It's really strange. Mm. So across the board, morale is really low right now. Mm -hmm. What are you noticing? What are the unique challenges youth pastors are facing in this pandemic that maybe other pastors or leaders aren't? I mean, you're touching on this regarding Mm -hmm. students, but sort of the inner topography, the inner world of a youth pastor, how might that be different than sort of a senior pastor or an adult adult pastor in this season? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think off the top of my head, what makes this a little more unique than maybe for church-wide I think there are a bunch of teens out there that there's this attitude of showing up, whether virtually or, you know, even the small amount of face-to-face that we're able to do, it doesn't feel the same. So I'm not going to do it or it's not good for me. So I'm not interested. Uh, I think sometimes for teens that, that stick to itiveness, you develop as an adult. So it might seem extra, I'm I'm kind of supposing at this point, but I think maybe youth pastors feel their sheep are more scattered than maybe the adults who have grown up in the church and have said, these are my people. And that sense of 
I'm going to dig deep with my people. I could see that being a big part of it. Uh, but the other side too, uh, there are youth pastors I'm talking to where they're the de facto digital media producers, huh. right? So like their job was shepherding teens, but now it's video editing. Yeah. Some are doing that like 20 hours a week now. Uh, social media blasters. Now, like they're taking that on with the church. So there is an extra sense where sometimes, you know, we're all shifting our roles and we're all just trying to figure out what the heck we're doing. Uh, and it just is a unique set of challenges for youth pastors, I would say. Mm-hmm. So if, if you were going to just encourage, well, <laughs> I have two questions. Let me ask this one first. Um, I know, uh, youth pastors work in these worlds where we work under senior pastors. And, and I know lead pastors are, you know, they're working through a whole different set of things that youth pastors are, and everyone's trying to kind of stay together in this, but how would you want to encourage senior leaders and, and lead pastors, uh, in terms of how they're, how they're loving, caring for, like, how can they support their youth pastors in this season right now? Yeah. Oh, I hope everyone listening hears this because uh, that is, that's the question we all have to be asking, like as a team, right? Like if you're a staff of four people at a church and one of them happens to be a youth pastor, I imagine that if you're a head pastor, you're sitting there saying like, okay, what's this person actually doing with their work week? How do we know they're doing it well? Right? So the big thing I would say is very clear expectations of what to do in this season. Uh, because let's face it, the old tried and true who's showing up metrics, they weren't good before. They're even worse <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, say, say that again, Johnny. I mean, I know yeah. we're laughing, but that's really that's, good. It's say really that good. Again. Yes, the who's showing up stuff is ridiculous and it is not helpful. I mean, if so, like the, the people who try and measure what we're doing, they're like, how many kids show up on Zoom? Well, guess what? The whole nation went through the same thing. So if you're, you're experiencing atrophy, guess what? That's the sign of the times. It's not the sign of your leader. So I know there are some youth pastors out there who are feeling pinched right now because their lead pastors kind of looking at them kind of being like, well, what are you doing? Like, you know, how are you really ministering to teens? That's such a tough question when number one, they don't want to get online. And number two, you're really not supposed to be together in person. But that does leave door number three, which I'm encouraging a lot of people to go through is to just get on your phone, do this old school. You guys remember when we used to like make phone calls for ministry and such? (laughs) Those were Mondays. Uh, (laughs) And it was the kids that didn't show up. It was uh, was the check-in. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Miss you. Um, But in all honesty, it's kind of been a journey for me too, in the sense of like, okay, what is my job? How do I stay engaged when, you know, the typical getting people in the space isn't happening? Uh, So what I've been trying to do lately, and sometimes when we say this, people picture like this lofty, like I'm in my basement, the incense is lit and I'm praying for hours. But no, but like I, I've printed off a list of our students and I'm just kind of going through praying for them. Mm. Not a lot. And again, this is like, it's stupid that this is like insightful in my mind, right? <laughs> but, uh, just going through like five a day and just kind of being like really praying and then shooting them a message of like, hey, I prayed for you. I'm thankful mm. for this in your life, for your strength, your excitement for Jesus, uh, those things. And then 
just kind of ask, like, is there anything else I can pray for you? And that has given me more life than all of the Zoom calls in the world. Just that personal touch. Yeah, that's that's really good, Johnny. I think there's something about how this is almost reverting us back to what it looked like to do ministry when the goal of ministry was not the gathering or the service, but just being in personal relationship in close quarters, whatever that looks like with one another and blessing and honoring them. Um, so in, 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 you know, you mentioned this is something that like one of the things that's been really practical for you is, is developing prayer and even just noticing the, the fatigue and the, the low morale, what are some things that you're doing that are helping you stay healthy in your own abiding with Christ? Yeah. So for me, there's a lot of, uh, this whole process has been very up and down. I try to be very <laughs> candid with my experience. Like you hear some people talk or like, it's always up and up with Jesus. Like, well, for me, like it's more of a struggle. It's more of a struggle to stay out of my own mind. Um, so I've been, one thing I've been trying to do lately is to move slower through passages of the Bible and like alleviate the pressure of like, I got to go through, I got to complete this, but to do like one chapter a day and to slow it down. Um, that's been something that's been really good for me. Um, another thing too, uh, is that I've been, <laughs> I think all of us have kind of been like, Hey, we have extra time or like, you know, what the, the memes out there of like what hobbies to pursue or whatever. I've been throwing myself into guitar and just <laughs> trying to get better at electric guitar and things like that. Um, but for me, there is a constant battle of, of just resting in my identity as a child of God and not a worker of God. And this time has really tried that for sure. So, um, slowing down in scripture and honestly, like I know a lot of people have gone for walks. I haven't, <laughs> is that bad? I just haven't. Um, but I've been, I've been spending a lot more time in silence even, you know, just like a couple minutes here and there, uh, just to kind of like slow down and just really pay attention to what God's saying. Uh, so there's some moments where, you know, it, it kind of feels like the dark night of the soul where this whole experience has, has kind of been like a test of will. Like, am I going to keep trucking through and trusting God even when it doesn't make sense? But there've been some other moments where it has felt more still, more peaceful and like, in some ways that God's had my attention more. Mm-hmm. Well, getting back to the technology piece, cause I think you're right. We're all feeling, uh, you know, zoom fatigue and, you know, our eyes are crossing, we're getting headaches and getting sick of this, but how do we find the balance between the benefits of technology with the consequences that it can have on incarnational ministry if we're not thoughtful about it, right? Because there's obviously some benefits. I mean, right now, the three of us are connecting because of screens and technology in recording this, right? Mm-hmm. So there are obviously benefits. How do you, in your own mind and with other youth pastors, but also <laughs> teaching students when it comes to technology of sorting through the benefits versus the consequences? Yeah. You know, if you think about it, a lot of it has to do with the content of what's on the screen, right? Like for example, this right here, like this doesn't feel like work, man. This feels rejuvenating right now, but we're coming together talking to, you know, under the name of Jesus and talking about how do we, 
help the gospel go forward. That's a rejuvenating screen time. We have other times where it's kind of entertainment, where it's that, that zero differential, you know, where it's, it's not sucking the, our mental thoughts out of us. In fact, you know, you're turning your thoughts off. Um, but as far as like showing kids the balance, it's before the pandemic, it was very much monitoring the amount of screen time and how much you're on it and that kind of thing. And then that goes out the window. So I think right now it really needs to monitor like, Hey, the things that you are on the screen time for like, what's giving you life. What's maybe giving you life that shouldn't give you life. (laughs) Like is your identity more wrapped up in just zoning out on Netflix than it was before? Like, like teaching, teaching how to self mandate those boundaries is probably the best thing. But, but the part of it too, is this is what we have right now. So, you know, the, to get online, to, to join with people for prayer, for, uh, to watch your Sunday's service, like don't check out on that stuff and just keep binge watching stuff. Like, you know, we, we got to plug into the, the good content that technology offers us too. I was just going to say, yeah, that reminds me, Johnny, I'm so glad you made that distinction. I just finished reading Vivek Murthy, who was the former Surgeon General of the United States. He wrote a book called Together, The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World. He found that there is an epidemic, not a virus, but the epidemic that he found his most important thing as Surgeon General of the United States of America was not smoking, was not cancer, was not alcoholism or addiction. It was loneliness, the Mm. epidemic of loneliness. And he tied a lot of that back to technology and screens. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that he made, uh, the point that you just made, um, was it wasn't necessarily the amount of time that we spent on our screens. It's how we spent our time on our screens. And so I'm really glad you picked up on that because that reminded me so much of what he was saying, which, yeah, for me, even as a a parent of a new teenager, like I'm thinking like, well, you know, shouldn't be that much time. And, and yet he's been doing distance learning throughout the spring. And, you know, so there's a lot of time I can't just say, well, you limit your screen time now because even with school and, but it's the, the quality, not just the quantity of how we're engaging with the screens. That's, that's really, really good. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that that's the, the really difficult spot that I know a lot of pastors are feeling that pinch too, because, you know, I mean, same with, with, with our church, I've noticed, uh, when it first started like super great attendance on our online platform for our gatherings. And then just like sort of slowly started to dwindle and people talking about zoom fatigue and things like that. And and I know it's a real thing, but I think there are just these moments where it's like, but this is what we have and exactly. how well, like, how do we, how do we detach that from, um, how do we attach, detach that from some of our own, like, uh, individualism, like, well, you know, almost like the, the Goldilocks and the three bears, well, that's to this and that's to this, but like, this is what our community is engaged in right now. So yeah, I feel that tension too, Johnny. Um, and I, I think that that's a good word to figure out. And maybe there's almost this way that, that we can encourage, uh, and disciple our folks to say things like, well, this is different. Like when I, when I come to a church thing, when I come to a gathering, when I come to youth group, there's a, there's a deeper purpose here. This is a different kind of connection than when I just turned on my screen and watched Netflix. It's almost like we have to learn how to differentiate all those different things. 
Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you think about it, like it's like you said, this is what we have. So the other option is to do nothing. And we know that's not a good option, right? Like if we're, if we're going to be an island on our own, like we're going to get picked off, man. Like we, we wander, we're sheep. So for us to stay together, we have to use what we have available, even when it doesn't feel good or when we're sick of it. Like there has to be that commitment to our faith to say we are committed to our community. And so one trend I'm seeing right now that it kind of tears at me. I'd love to hear you guys give an opinion on this, but um, I see people who are posting things from like these big churches, which is great. And they have a place and I love it. I love all the main speakers you're thinking of, but I think there are people who are gravitating towards that at the loss of their local church and their local community to the point where it becomes something of I'm getting fed and it's very consumeristic as opposed to we're rallying our community around this portion of the Bible and we're heading in one direction. Uh, am I, am I off in that feeling? I guess like I, this isn't the place to really process my issues, but that's one of my issues. <laughs> I'll send you the bill. <laughs> I know, right? Seriously. I need counseling now. So like, I don't know. Do you guys feel in a similar way? Yeah, there's a there's an organization, as you all know, that I work with uh, called Fresh Expressions. And last July, we had a chance for all of our team to come together, about 30 of us from around the country. And we brainstormed about what are the trends that we think are going to happen in the future. And one of the things, Johnny, was very similar to what you said, that we really believe that large churches are going to grow larger and small churches are going to be strong. But it's the middle sized churches that are really going to feel the pinch because people are going to say, oh, I really want smaller community right? In a small setting, or I want to just have the the big, the best, the flashier, the whatever. And so unfortunately, we're starting to see some of that happen. We didn't know and anticipated a pandemic, but we're seeing smaller churches becoming strengthened. And they're saying our budgets are really good. People are stepping up and giving like crazy. And we're seeing larger churches become that much more important because of their digital the presence and the, the technological structure they have. But we're finding those middle churches are in fact feeling pinched. So I, I have always um, bemoaned the um, the consumeristic mindset. And so as we move forward with, uh, and I think churches are going to have to learn to do a uh, incarnational and digital hybrid, right? We're all learning digital over the last few months. But I think that when we're quote unquote back together again and every church is reopened, I'm not sure that we're going to see the um, the online presence go away. I still think that that will be there. So I think we'll have a hybrid. But the key is going to be how do we make sure the digital enhances the incarnational and the incarnational enhances the digital? Because the moment the digital impedes upon or leapfrogs over the incarnational, I think we're all in trouble. So just my thought. I'm curious, Doug, Johnny, even what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, well, I agree with everything you said. I think the only the only other thing that I'd probably reinforce is something that Johnny said at the beginning. I don't think you can ever get rid of face to face like life on life stuff. I yeah. think even, even um, like the commercials that I continue to see uh, on, on television or whatever are the constant of, you know, don't be alone, schedule time with people and this and that and the other thing. But in reality, it's like, even though there's a screen in front of us, that still is, that still has a tendency to, uh, to, 
to disrupt. Like it's still virtual reality. It's not real reality. And so I think that there's, there's some things there too. I also wonder as well, if, if, um, this might be a beautiful opportunity for the spirit to wake up in us that such an important part of formation is community. It almost reinforces the importance of, of journey together uh, instead of individualistic journey. So I, I think in, so, in some ways people will move one or two ways, you know, one way will be, well, it's just me and Jesus. And so it doesn't matter what church I zoom into where I feel like uh, other folks are really going to say, this isn't enough. Um, just zooming, you know, just being part of a, of a worship gathering on a Sunday isn't enough. And, and I wonder, and my, my hope is that this is actually helping the church process. What does Monday through Saturday look like opposed to Sunday? Um, and Sunday is important. And like, you all know how much I love gathering with believers. And I, I think our gatherings are super important and all that. But I also think um, this is exposing uh, a potential, uh, probably some of our anemic consumeristic faith. And it, 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 my hope is that the spirit is moving the church into a place to say, if, if this is going to continue to be formative, my, my week has to look really different. And so with all the, with all the, and it's so funny, right? Because as a youth pastor, it's like spring and fall sports kill you, right? Like every <laughs> single year, it's like, you don't have that anymore. Um, but, and you even for what? us, Oh, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, but that right there, for so long, we've been bemoaning that fact. But now those are gone and the kids still aren't there. Right. So it's like it's it reveals the heart of priority, not the the whole you're too busy scheduled. Uh, so, you know, the kids who were like half and half because they had sports, they're still half and half to what we're doing right now. So. For so long, we've wanted to blame sports and busy schedules and parents need to prioritize Brepada. But you'd think when all that's taken away, well, now they're back. No, not it's all about the heart, man. It really is. And uh, and what you were talking about, consumeristic uh, things shedding off. One of the things is, man, like I've been telling people like in that fictitious day when we're back, (laughs) you know, when when our churches are all back. just like you said, people are going to be moving towards community or further away from it or like personal, just Jesus is, is my own personal friend, whatever. I mean, I'm telling people like, hey, are you prepared to look at your group 50% capacity of what it was before and say like, all right, these are the people, let's go. Uh, because they're, they're, this whole experience might be a separating sheep from the goats thing when it comes to like, siphoning off the crowd and it's going to hit our egos and we're going to walk into a room and you know we'll have some identity crises and um but resting backwards on the idea of this is where god's called me these are the people and even if it's a remnant we're just going to charge forward like that's Mm. that's the mentality we need once we get back together Mm. yeah yeah well well just a couple more questions here johnny before we let you go but you know, when we think about mentoring and discipling students, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people don't know. I actually graduated with a certificate in youth ministry. I never ended up using that as an official youth pastor. And but I think 20 years ago, what I was trained in terms of how to disciple and mentor teens is so different than what it is today. So I'm just curious. I know this is a large question and I'm asking for only a very brief answer. But how has mentoring and discipling students changed 
even just in the last few years, maybe even through the pandemic, maybe it's too soon, but what does it, what does it look like for how mentoring and discipling changes than it was maybe a generation ago? Yeah. So I think a lot of the focus was on making your program do that. And what we've seen throughout the time is the program's good and necessary. And it's easy to sit here and knock the weekly gathering, right? No, it's essential, but it can't be it. And when it comes to students, especially like I was talking about, what about the kid that, you know, wants to follow Jesus, has a heart for the Lord, but has wrestling every Wednesday night? You know, is your student ministry creative enough to be involved in his life uh, when he's gone for three months at a time? Or is he just gone and forgotten? Uh, So a lot of that, that discipleship aspect has to be through your volunteer team just sticking alongside of kids saying, Hey, like my small group, I'm making sure that even if they're not in front of me, they're a priority. I'm checking up on them. And the ones who do it well, like I have some, uh, I have some volunteers where they have, uh, they're going through the, the Bible app, you know, they just keep peppering each other with devotional plans and they keep texting and stuff. And they have this amazing, vibrant text thread of like, what they're getting out of their devos and how to pray for each other. And it's awesome. And then I've, I've done that with some groups where it falls flat in three days and no one texts each other. You know what I mean? So like you do what you can, but man, the, what, what I always tell my leaders, my volunteers is like the moments where the kid isn't in front of your face and you show them that you think of them, that you pray for them, that they're a priority. That's the stuff they're going to remember. They're not going to remember all my killer messages and illustrations. They're going to remember the time where you showed up to a baseball game that was freezing, but still sat on the bench. Uh, They're going to remember the time where you shot them a message out of the blue and it just hit at the right time when they needed that encouragement. That's what the discipleship has to be. We can't just sit back on our structures right now. And um, it still works. You know what I mean? Like our phones, like connecting with kids through Instagram or through texting, it works great. So uh, that kind of stuff is fun. Yeah. And, uh, and last question, Johnny, maybe it's a question and it's also uh, just uh, unleashing you for a few moments, but like, what's, what's the hope of the gospel for our youth, for our students and for our youth pastors in this season? You know, there are a lot of people who have pessimistic views of what's going on. And maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm just an optimist, but I really believe in this generation. And I think that their their passion and their drive and the biggest thing is their empathy. Now there's some people who say this generation doesn't have empathy. And maybe in the sense of like I'm touting my views over you and like I can't see your viewpoint. Maybe like this is a Gen Z is a fiery generation. In fact, they've been compared to uh, the generation that got us through World War II a lot, like having the same like drive and conviction. And I think even right now through the social movements we're seeing right now, it is very empathy driven. And that's kind of with this generation, I feel like there is a lot of a lot of chance for them to right the wrongs and to to stand up for justice and to really just bring a fresh wave of, of Christianity through. Uh, so if, and (laughs) the thing I love about this generation too, is they are very face value. 
where they'll they'll kind of tell it to you straight, right? And <laughs> they'll, you know, if if they're not going to just play the game just to play the church game, uh, they're either you know you either have them and they're on mission with you or they're out. So I'm very optimistic right now when it comes to what we have in front of us, uh, and it is interesting because leadership right now uh, in youth pastor ranks is largely millennial. You know, and we're starting to see some older Gen Zs coming up into the ranks, but uh, it's interesting to see the it's interesting to see millennials leading Gen Zs and just what their their fabric is and how they're wound together, leading the one generation behind them. Uh, so there are just so many different things at play with the the generational studies when it comes down to it, too. Mm-hmm. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I feel like we could probably go on and on and on about this. I, I love this stuff. I think these are important conversations to be having. But um, yeah, we just appreciate the work. And all you youth pastors out there, we appreciate you. We recognize that youth ministry in this season is different. And we just want to continue to say, hey, uh, we love you. We believe in the work you're doing. And so keep it up. So thanks for being with us, Johnny. Thanks for having me, guys. It was really good to have a chance to reconnect with Johnny. Uh, it's crazy to think that only a few years ago he was with us as an apprentice for a, for for a good time. He's he's a great dude, and I'm so glad we had a chance to be able to connect with him again. And he's right; it was just like a family reunion, just like yeah. we were back together again having a conversation. Absolutely, I I think it was really good too to, to realize. I, I think Johnny was the first youth pastor who was an active youth pastor that we've had on on the Monday Morning Pastor. So it was really. Yes good to hear his perspective on on what things uh what things have been like in youth ministry and and even just like i I wish i could give every youth pastor i know just a huge hug right now and just say it's okay uh but yeah what are some things that stuck out to you yeah well and and maybe we need to provide a little bit of context for those of you who are thinking how do you know johnny johnny was one of our apprentices we we run a program called the renew apprenticeship program or rap and uh, we had a chance for it's a year-long uh residential I- intense uh, apprenticeship program where there's learning and there's forming and there's leading and uh, listening to our context and so uh, johnny did that for a year and he was flirting with the idea of possibly uh, becoming a youth pastor and um, I'm sorry of of planting a church. But in that year, it made it very clear. The Lord made it clear that he was to, to be in youth ministry full time. And so he's doing a great job. We're so proud of him and we've loved to see his growth and development over the years. So I think that's important for our listeners to know, but Johnny always just brings a sharp perspective of helping us understand what's going across um, what the context is across the country when it comes to youth ministry and also his energy. I just have always appreciated his passion and his energy for life. That always comes through. Mm, Yeah. I think there is so much about what, what he's seeing and what he's noticing that my, my guess is that a lot of the youth pastors that heard this are like, yes, yes. Thank you for putting words to what I'm feeling. Um, and it, it's even just thinking, I love how he, he said, and, and you had him repeat it, but just that, 
you know, that old way of butts and seats, you know, my, our, our language, uh, it didn't work and it's definitely not working now. And so, and I just, I, I love this really practical space of writing out, you know, printing out a list of all his kids, praying for them, texting them, and then adding to what they're asking for prayer for. I just, I mean, I really appreciate just the super uber practical ways in which ministry is being done in this season. Yeah. And it's going to be really important that um, if we say, well, if that isn't the metric numbers, what are, what is the metric of which we measure? <laughs> you know, cause I, I could just imagine lead pastors just going, well, I got my youth, but what, what do I do? How do I know what's the best way to steward this role and this person and the lives entrusted to them? So I think that's a great question. If you are a lead pastor and you've got a youth pastor, I think this is a great time to sit down with your youth pastor to say, I want to support you. I want to be clear with expectations as Johnny mentioned, but I also want to make sure that we're um, really stewarding well what's got, what God has entrusted to us. So what would be some healthy, realistic metrics, quote unquote, air quote metrics here to be able to, to think through? And maybe it's touches with students. Maybe it's time in prayer with students as opposed to those showing up for, you know, a, a Zoom call or whatever it may be. But I, you know, how we define success defines us. How we define failure defines us. So we've got to be really careful how we do that in this season of quote unquote success hmm. um, because uh, because it's a really, really unique time. And if we use the old metrics that we've used in a new reality, it's really going to be uh, irrelevant and disheartening, disorienting, discouraging, and maybe even hurtful in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, and so I think that's a great question and even just a good challenge for our lead pastors and youth pastors to sit down and have the, some of these important conversations. And I would just say, here's, here's a quick challenge. Um, if, if, if you know a youth pastor uh, go get them a $10 gift card to Starbucks or somewhere or drop them a note of encouragement uh, and just encourage them in this season because it, it has been hard, especially in the sense where the, the, the stereotype is that this is the most digital uh, internet savvy group of humans that have ever lived in the world and yet they're disengaging it too. And so yeah. just want to encourage That's you to point. encourage a youth pastor. And, and if you're like, Hey, I don't have youth pastor. I don't really know any, then, then send a note. And and maybe this is a, a second one, but send a note to the, to your youth pastor yeah. and just say, thanks for the ways that you shaped me. Um, yeah. All of us have been shaped deeply by our youth pastors and um, we're just really grateful for you. Why don't you send us out, JR? Yeah. Um, pastors, May you just remember that the next generation of leaders, these students, these middle schoolers, high schoolers, even college students, are the shoulders that will they, they will stand on our shoulders. And we want them to have people stand on their shoulders too, but they, they need pastoring and leader, leading, and they need supportive people like you who look at them and say, I believe in you, you can be a leader, but more importantly, you can be a follower of Jesus. May we never be people who look down on others because they are young. May we help them grow in experience, help them grow in confidence, and invest in them to say you have what it takes to follow Jesus. Go and do that, even in the midst of a pandemic. God bless and bless God.